You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General John McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody! Welcome in. Merry Christmas. It's not a very Merry Christmas Eve here in the uh, city of Houston, but a Merry Christmas to all of you as we uh, embark on this Christmas Eve edition of the podcast, the Utopia Football Podcast. Uh, just hours removed from the Texans. Losing to the Cleveland Browns 36 to 22 in a game that was not as close as the final score would indicate, not nearly as close as the final score uh, would indicate. And we're going to dig into the loss. I think more importantly, because there's not much really to analyze from this loss. They just got their butts kicked on both sides of the ball. But we will do a um, we'll do a, a stock up, stock down to recognize some of the individual performances in this game. Um, but more than that, just take a look at where things are heading into the final two weeks of the season as the Texans actually did get some favors done for them by other teams around the league today. Welcome in. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Sports Radio 610. And I'm joined, as always, by the Hall of Famer, my good friend uh, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, uh, this one was ugly literally from the very first play of the game, the opening kickoff return, and then the very first play from scrimmage, a 53-yard shot play to Amari Cooper. So my keys to the game, no big shot plays and no invisible yards for the Browns right out the door 30 seconds into the game. First of all, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. And, uh, boy, I I saw you in that Santa hat, and I thought you were supposed to be coming later tonight. Um, uh, But you look very good. Thank you, John. People wear those. I used to have one of those, and when I put it on, I always thought I looked like a drunk staggering out of an office Christmas party. Um, one, the only thing that good came out of that game is they're in the same situation. The Jaguars get pounded by Tampa, and then uh, Indy gets pounded by Atlanta. Yeah. So they're all still eight and seven tied for first place, which means the Texans just squandered a great opportunity when they would have controlled their destiny for winning the AFC South. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, for whatever reason, I would feel way worse about that part of it if they lost on a last second field goal. Like they got their butts kicked today. You know what I mean? Like there's not there's no part of me like if this, then that, unless you want to look at all the cumu- the accumulation of injuries and somehow rationalize a game like that into injuries being the reason you lost it. But John, they were, they were, to my earlier point, they were, they were, they were out of sorts literally from kickoff in this game. Like they just, they didn't show up. 
Well, they were, but it was 14-7 after Damian Pierce's 98-yard kickoff return. And let's be honest, when when you're missing Will Anderson Jr. and Blake Cashman, and then you lose Jonathan Grenard, Jimmy Ward, and Steven Nelson in the first quarter, Nelson was the only one to return, you can't get pressure on the quarterback. And I got to think, if Grenard and Anderson had played for a statue – that Flacco wouldn't have been able to do all that. And there's only two players that hurt him. Running game didn't hurt him. The Joku had one touchdown, but they didn't get hurt by anybody but those twos. And I think Cooper burned every cornerback they had on the field, including Derek Stingley Jr. Yeah. Yep. He was, yeah, Mari Cooper was incredible today. 11 catches for 265 yards. Am I right on that, John? 24.1 yards of carry. Yep, 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 yep. Two touchdowns, even threw a two-point conversion into the mix. Good week to have Amari Cooper on your fantasy team. I would he wanted say. to go back in at the end of the game to get 300. I love these wide receivers that are all trying to pad their stats, but they wouldn't let him. So he now has four 200-yard games, one off the all-time record that's shared by Calvin Johnson, and I can't remember the other one, but if Joe Flacco sticks around, he'll probably get it. I don't see Deshaun Watson playing like that and they have no quarterback controversy uh watson will be their quarterback next year no matter what happens this year and if flacco keeps playing like he has he's now thrown seven interceptions but you know what yeah. two weeks in a row he said five and it hasn't hurt him they've won yeah it. and even today john like i i can't I, I i'm not gonna lie and say i've gone back and watched all the interceptions he had before today but even like today like the interception the first one he threw it was right before the half, but it was really like a punt. You know, it was a deep ball that DeAndre Houston Carson was able to make a play on, and it didn't really hurt them. And then the next one was literally the last play of the first half where they were having to go for it on fourth down all the time because they had no kicker. Dustin Hopkins pulled a hamstring, and Stingley picks it off in the end zone. It's like, all right, well, it's not like it happened midway through. The, like, that was literally the last play of the half. Like, so I like even the two interceptions today, I'm like, am I going to watch that game? I watch it with my own two eyes. Joe Flacco was freaking great today. He was phenomenal. Absolutely. T- today. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't, I like the, at least the two that he threw against the Texans. I look at the box score. I'm like, all right, well, those aren't even, they're not the type of, those weren't the types of interceptions the Texans needed in order to win this game. You know, they Nobody needed one good in the stat sheet. Yeah, of course. Of course. Absolutely. So I'll tell you something else. I saw yeah. a national media person tweet. And I'm not going to say his name because it embarrasses him, but I'll guarantee you he's been pointed out a lot. He tweeted, there must be bad blood between the Texans and the Browns because the Browns keep going for two points. No way. <laughs> was, was he paying attention? Was he at the game? Obvious. No, no. It was a national guy who was oh, just looking okay. at scores and what was going on. When I saw the first two-point conversion, I'm like, well, why are they going for two? And then I watched – uh, Dustin Hopkins sprinting down the field trying to catch Damian Pierce. And, uh, boy, that popped his hamstring. He may not play again. I told him, hey, we may see Matt Amendola up there unless he's somebody I else. just thinking the same thing, John. We might see Matt Amendola kicking important, important field goals for the Cleveland Browns. John, what do you think the ceiling is for this Browns team? Are they a Super Bowl contender with Joe Flacco? I wouldn't think so. I mean, I their defense is great. They've been giving up 30 points a game on the road and 13 and all. And their media is talking about, well, they play Thursday night against Cincinnati, and if the Ravens lose to Miami, they got a chance to win the division. And I said, eh, don't count those 
chickens before they hatch because Baltimore is a better team, but it's a great story. Lions won again. I've been telling you for quite a while. I'd love to see the Lions and the Browns because they're long-suffering fans and media be able to, to play in the Super Bowl. I think that would be fabulous, although I'd really like to see the Ravens win since I picked them. But what a great Super Bowl that would be, Detroit and Cleveland. Yeah, the only thing that bothers me, John, is that in the um, pool of misery that is the fan bases of teams that have never won a Super Bowl, we would be losing one of our brethren. One of our one of our brethren would be losing their non Super Bowl winning virginity and leaving the leaving the flock, right? I mean, because the the right the Lions and the Browns, they, neither of them have ever won a. a like, no. I'm trying to think back in the Browns the won a championship in '64. The Lions yeah. before the Super Bowl, and yeah. the Lions won two in the '50s. Okay, yeah, that those don't count. Those, yeah, not in my era. They don't count. Doesn't say Super Bowl on the trophy. It doesn't. <laughs> Unfortunately, count. I was alive then, so they count mine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I uh, maybe it's recency bias. Like if this is the version of Joe Flacco that they're getting, like they're a really dangerous team, I think. And and it's it's really interesting, John. Like all these teams go to great pains to try to like, like maneuver in the draft to get a quarterback and find a quarterback. And I mean, the Browns themselves traded three first round picks and paid Deshaun Watson, $230 million. And the guy that might get them off the schneid is a dude they pulled off the couch to replace Deshaun Watson's replacements replacement. <laughs> like they, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, crazy is this story? Like they were, John, I listened to a decent amount of Cleveland radio, like probably more like as far as out of town radio, cities that I listen in on probably Cleveland more than most, just because of the, I'm fascinated by their side of the whole Watson saga. And I can tell you that at one point earlier in the season, when Deshaun was getting hurt, one of the things they were really angry about up in Cleveland was the fact that they traded Josh Dobbs before the season started. You know, Josh Dobbs is a capable backup quarterback. They, they traded Josh Dobbs and it left them with PJ Walker and Dorian Thompson Robinson. And they were, they were miffed about that. And the funny thing about that is now in retrospect, if they had kept Josh Dobbs, like Josh Dobbs probably does enough to maybe keep them in that eight and seven swamp that the Texans are in. But Joe Flacco's playing at a level where he's got them at 10 and five right now. Like Joe Flacco's ceiling is so much higher than Josh Dobbs. And they pulled Joe Flacco off the couch. John, why do you know why was Flacco available? Was he sitting around waiting for an opportunity and being real? He's working out regularly, playing pickleball like crazy. Stay in shape, and he's throwing a lot, taking his kids to school, being a daddy and a husband. So he was staying in shape to see if somebody gave him a call, and they did call his agent to see what he was up to. You know, he was with the Jets last year, and nobody wanted him. He said last week he didn't know what his contract is. He said, I don't know what my contract is. Like, I don't care. I just wanted this opportunity. And he he wants to parlay this into another quarterbacking job. He knows it'll have to be as a backup, maybe in this situation. You see, like guys like him and Andy Dalton and Ryan Tannehill, there's a lot of veterans that people are going to be scared about. We better spend more money on a veteran so we get a guy like this if our starter gets hurt. I think they're going to be paying backup quarterbacks more than they ever have, and a guy like Flacco's performance is reason they're all going to benefit. Yeah. Big time. All right. So um, Cleveland 10 and five. Now they've not yet clinched the playoff spot, but things would really have to break. the 99%. Yeah. It's for them not to. Now the Texans, meanwhile, um, given all the carnage that's happened around them with Cincinnati losing last night with the two 
AFC South teams that we've been talking about, Jacksonville and Indy both losing. They're both eight and seven. The Steelers are eight and seven. Bengals are eight and seven. If the Broncos beat the Patriots tonight, they're eight and seven. So by my count, that's at least, what, six, eight and seven teams. Um, I would say, John, the Texans, all, all things considered, considering that they've, they lost C.J. Stroud to the concussion protocol for two weeks, they've got all these injuries. Um, they've got uh, they, they, they got blown out twice in three weeks. And yet they still pretty much control their own destiny to get into the postseason. Like if they beat Tennessee and Indianapolis the next two weeks, I think the odds of them missing the playoffs are infinitesimally small. I, I think they're if they get to ten and seven, because all these eight and seven teams, the Texans have 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 beaten at one point or another, other than the Colts, who they'll have to beat to get to ten and seven. So they'll have beaten all of these eight and seven teams at some point by the end of the year if they go ten and seven on the season. Well, Buffalo and Cleveland should get the well as two wild card spots, and then yep. everybody else would be battling. And they don't want a three-way tie. They want it to be hit up against somebody like Pittsburgh. All of a sudden, uh, they look like they may have found a quarterback. And uh, everybody did them a favor. And I thought that the Chargers were going to do it behind Easton Stig, but the Bills want it. But right now, Texans to give up, lose 30-6 to to Zach Wilson and then get beat 36-22. That's not a good recipe. It would help if some of these guys could come back. But, man, they just had so many injuries. Yeah, big time. All right. Just so significant the Texans, players. Yeah, big time. No, these John, these we're talking like when you, when you throw Jimmy Ward and John Grenard in with Will Anderson, C.J. Stroud, and Blake Cashman, and throw Nico in there last week. Like, I mean, you're, these are guys who – are that's that's five or six of their 10 best players. Um, so it's, and then you got, well, you know what? I don't want to hijack from stock down stock up. Cause there's other names I could bring up here. And what yeah, don't say anything bad about as far as personnel decisions. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll get to that. We'll have plenty bad to say. Um, all right. So the good news is the Texans, I think are still provided they win football games are still very much in control of their own destiny to get into the postseason. Look, the mere fact that we're having this conversation on Christmas Eve is massive progress. From what we've seen the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, so, John, let's get to our four stock up and four stock down, and then let's go drink some eggnog and celebrate Christmas here. Um, let's start with the stock up, and as always, the floor is yours. Uh, stock up. Let's see. I've been thinking about stock down. Let me see. Stock up, stock up. Derek Barnett, second start. Okay. He's been claimed on waivers from uh, or signed as a free agent from Philadelphia. And last week he had to start for Will Anderson. He did it again last week. He had a sack, multiple knockdowns. Today had two tackles for loss, and he knocked down Joe Flacco three times. 
So he was able to get pressure on Flacco like nobody else, but Flacco still was only sacked once by Jerry Hughes' first sack of the season. But Barnett, and they he played the run great. In fact, they played the run great, great. but Barnett, uh, I thought he played really, really well. Yeah, he's been a nice pickup, John. Like th- these little waiver wire pickups that Nick Casario's made have, have been fine. And Adrian Amos had a bunch of snaps today. We'll see if Tier Tart gets in against his old team. He was inactive yeah, today. Well. Yeah, you, I would hope so, right? I mean, that's the, if, if, if you're going to have a motivated defensive tackle, I would say it would be Tier Tart next week. Barnett's a good one. I'm going to go Damian Pierce. I thought you would go Pierce right off the top. Um, I'm going to go Damian Pierce with his really the only kind of wow moment that that had Texan fans. Texan fans were into this game. I would say they were into it coming into the game, and then the Browns did a great job of taking the crowd out of the game early in the game. But the only time that they the Texan fans were into into this game was on Damian Pierce's 100-yard touchdown return uh, or 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. We had Damian on the postgame show, John, and it was – boy, I'm going to send you the audio of the interview. Like, he was very, very introspective in this in this interview about – the struggles that he's had in the offense and exactly was very, very honest. I thought about just how he's, he's had difficulty, you know, some of the difficulties he's had and how many things that they ask you to do in this offense. He, he said at one point late in the interview, he said, it's not going to get fixed this year for me. He's like, I'm going to keep studying and trying to improve, but it's going to take me an off season probably because he just didn't realize like how much different and how detail oriented and complex this offense was that he's playing in. So, that was really, really – he's just such a – man, you just want to root for him. He's great. As far as the kickoff return goes, John, he found out on Tuesday when Danny Barrett brought the depth chart over to him and showed it to him. He said, hey, look what you're doing this week. He, that's how he found out that he was going to be returning kicks this week. He has not returned a kickoff since high school. That was he was genius. great today. It was huh? genius by Frank Ross because yeah. Stephen Sims did a really good job on returns last week. Yeah. And he didn't have any returns today at all. So yeah. the thing about Damian Pierce, you know, he likes to run straight. He likes to yeah. run over people. He doesn't want to have to move uh, horizontally and plant his foot and look for the right hole. He just wants to go. Yeah. And you wonder now why they haven't been doing it all year. But I suspect he'll be returning kicks in the next two games. And you pull for a guy like that who's working so hard, such a physical player. Everybody likes him. It's too bad they got beat because he'd be the toast of the town. He would. He would. And he, uh, I thought his other, it wasn't just the 100 yard return, the 98 yard return. Like his other returns were really good too. Like he did a really, really good job returning kicks. Um, so yeah, that was, I thought that was really interesting. He hadn't done it since high school. And that's how he found out he was doing it. So, um, but he said, like, really all it is is just, He's like, for me, it's just like a long run. It's like a, being a running back with the ball in your hands, but it's just a long run, but I can read the blocking. You know, it's much easier for me to read and set guys up than it is when you're, you know, in the, in, in the offense for the Texans. And I said to him, it had to feel a little like that long touchdown you had against the Chargers last year. And I, when you were running down the same side, he's like, I was thinking the exact same thing. He's like, man, this is the same sideline, same angle that the guy had on him and wasn't able to get him. Um, so yeah, stock up on Damian Pierce, stock, big stock up on Damian Pierce. We love Damian Pierce. What's your next one, John? Uh, it's getting hard. Yeah. And, uh, I'm going to say Frank Ross, the special teams coach for thinking yeah. about putting him there and he has to run everything of course by 
uh, D'Amico Ryans. But besides the touchdown, Cam Johnston had another really good game. The offense and defense were terrible, but the special teams were good. Best thing they had going for them. Frank's one of the best in the NFL. And you notice I took Frank instead of John Weeks, so you could take every week. You oh you are you leaving John Weeks for me, John? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, you unless you got somebody else because it's well, a struggle. It's a struggle. I, it is a struggle. I you know I guess Davis Mills came in and did some good things in garbage time. Like I, I mean it's it, it's a blowout game we're talking about here. You like you said, but I think Davis at least planted a seed. If that if for some reason C.J. Stroud can't go this week, maybe made a case that he should be the guy starting based on that quarter and a half. I don't know. He threw a few play, threw a few passes that could have been intercepted as well. Neither guy played really well in this game, but I thought uh, Davis Davis Mills threw the ball 32 times <laughs> in, a, in a quarter and a half. Um, so I'll give Dave I'll give Davis Mills. I mean, the segment is stock up, stock down, so it doesn't have to be stock up like it's an IPO that's through the roof and the green arrow is pointed way up. I would say the fact that Davis Mills got in and did some good things and threw a couple touchdown passes, didn't turn the ball over compared to just sitting and watching with a clipboard last week, his stock is up. In the first half, his rating was better than uh, Joe Flacco. He was one Why, of was one he... for five yards. The his was 87, rate. Flacco's was like 84. Yeah, okay. Well, you just completely discounted the uh, the validity of the passer rating statistic right there. <laughs> Good job. All right, you want to do stock down, John? There's yep. a, lot more, a lot more meat on the bone here uh, as we uh, head into the holidays. I'm going to hijack one that you like to do, and that is Bobby Slowick for his cockamamie idea yeah. that you could play two quarterbacks and somehow it was going to work in the first quarter that somehow the number one defense in the league was going to be caught off guard, confused, and ineffective, and all it made was the Texans game, even offense even more ineffective, and thank goodness he got away with it. He should have – well, I don't blame him going with Case Keenum. But having him and, and Mills rotate early was just ridiculous. No, and running zone read with him too. Like put Mills well, in having there Mills with an RPO. Yeah, yeah. And running laterally for zero yeah. yards. Yeah, that it was, was silly. Terrible. It was silly. No, I'm I'm with you. Like they're uh, Bobby Slowick's grade for the year overall is a good grade for sure. Like he for a first year OC with a rookie quarterback and all kinds of injuries on the offensive line. He's overall done a good job. I, I still chuckle a little bit when I see him mentioned among like the top eight candidates to be a head coach next year. Uh, it, you know, that's if, if a team wants to do that, then do so at your own risk. He still has a lot to learn as an offensive coordinator. I He's think. not going anywhere. And they got veteran guys on that offensive staff. And you think they go, well, wait a minute, Bobby, pump the brakes on this. We're not in college. Mm -hmm. All right. Stock down, John, for me because I know you can't bring yourself to do it, because you never want to kill one of your own. He got benched. Jalen Petrie got benched today. Jalen Petrie got benched today. It's probably been a long time coming, honestly. I feel bad. He he had one of his better games of the season last week against Tennessee, so my hope with Jalen was that he was turning it around. And I don't know what to make of this season that Jalen Petrie's had. I don't, you know, there's certain guys that you can look at and go, okay, well, it's just, you know, they're in a new defense and they're being asked to do different things. Seth's brought that up before about, the interior defensive lineman, a guy like Malik Collins, who got off to a really slow start this year. But in the second half of the season, he's really picked it up. And Seth's pointed out, like, look, he's being asked to run a whole new playbook this year defensively with what D'Amico asks his D lineman to do compared to what Lovey Smith asks his defensive lineman to do. 
I'm guessing there's some of that going on in the secondary as well. But Jalen Petrie looks out of sorts. Um, D'Amico kind of, I know you know this, you were at the press conference, kind of sloughed it off when he was asked about Jalen Petrie getting benched. You know, no, we just had guys in a rotation. You had no Jimmy Ward. <laughs> you had Adrian Amos and DeAndre Houston Carson out there. And you had your one of your defensive captains who the GM said two weeks ago on my show, we'll take a thousand of him on the defense. You had him on the bench. He was benched. John, how do you think Jalen Petrie responds to this? Well, I know he feels terrible about it because he knows how he's playing. People have tried to pick him up and trying to boost his confidence. So I would imagine whatever it is they want him to do, because he's coachable and he's not stupid, that whatever it is they're coaching him to do, he just hadn't done. It's not because he's trying to do things they don't want. They say, just, just do your job. And sometimes when you ask guys to do things they're not capable of doing physically, that's bad coaching. Maybe this one's mental, that he's not doing what he should be doing mentally. But for him to get pulled, like you said, with Ward out, two of their defensive captains were not in the secondary, and they're playing uh, uh, two guys off the street. Yeah. I like it, John. I like that D'Amico's not afraid to sit a guy down. Like, yeah, you know, that's this is where uh, the parallels between the Rockets and the Texans, which I think there are several, with with the trajectory of their teams over the last few years and some of the things that have happened, you know, the bottoming out because the star player asked for a trade three years ago, Harden and Watson, and then they bottom out and they accumulate draft picks and they draft a bunch of young guys. And I think there's a lot to be said about comparing Ime Udoka to D'Amico Ryans in terms of the respect level each of them has within their respective leagues um, with the way that they, I think that they, I, I think they, they instill discipline in their team. They do. They like to think that they do. Um, and I think you look at a parallel like Jalen Green for the Rockets getting benched last night. He, he he got with six minutes to go in the third quarter. He never came back in the game, a close game that the Rockets won against the Pelicans. And I think you look at Jalen, Jalen Petrie's kind of the Jalen Green in this situation. I think they're both of them are great examples of head coaches who are like, yeah, I you know what? I really don't care that everybody named him a captain and we think he's one of the star, the young star safeties in the league. He's not doing his job. Similarly, Udoka is like, yeah, I don't really care. We drafted him with the second overall pick three years ago. He, We're a worse team when he's on the floor. We are a worse secondary when Jalen Petrie is in there. Um, I hope they both pull, you know, kind of pull things out of the nosedive here. Both guys do. Um, but the Texans are going to need Jalen Petrie. They need, they're going to need last, last, I say last year's version, like he was a pro bowler or something, but he was better last year than he is this year. He made a bunch of interceptions. He missed some tackles, but he was much better as you just said. And they need him to play that way. These next two games. Yep. Who's your next one, John? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. The corners, all the corners were beaten by Amari Cooper. And that would be Desmond King II and Steven Nelson and Derek Stingley Jr. Even though Stingley had an interception, he got beat for a touchdown. Cooper just wore them out. And it wasn't like he made these diving interceptions, but he was covered, and Flacco put the ball to him perfectly. But all three corners, I would just say the Texans corners, who've been playing really, really well, and most of the blame for passing down the field was on the safeties, but corners have to rebound against the Titans. Yeah, for sure. Don't leave D'Angelo Ross out of it, John. He's the one that got burned Ooh. for the 59 yards. Well, he shouldn't even have been covering Amari Cooper. What in the world Just was that? Him, him with man coverage, D'Angelo yeah. Ross stuttering and stumbling, bumbling and stumbling down the sideline. Got a pass interference I don't blame him. him because he's not. he shouldn't have been in that situation. I agree with you. It looked funny. Like, he looked like he didn't belong out there. Yes, he did. Yep. Um, all right, last one. Look, if we're going to praise him last week when he leads him to a win, we got to we got to put him in stock down because his stock definitely went down today. The legend of Case Keenum goes down today. 48 yards passing at the half, um, an interception basically because he's short in the first half and then a bad one that he just threw up for grabs in the second half. Couldn't get anything going. John, he was doing he was doing things in this game that where I, it had me saying to Seth, I'm looking at him, I'm like, that's 2013 case right there. Like the one where he ran backwards because there's pressure coming into his face and he starts running straight backwards. I'm like, that's stuff he was doing in the Kansas City game his rookie year in his first start when they just started blitzing him like crazy. Um, bad day, bad, bad day for Case Keenum today. His rating was 31.6. Brutal, brutal. His, his, his rating, his QBR or his passer rating? No, I never paid attention to QBR. Go okay, by the so just pass rating. Pass you know, rating. He was you know, 31.6. Okay. If you go 0 for 1, if you just throw a ball into the ground, your passer rating's 39.8. So he was below the he was below the line of where he would have been better off just spiking the ball if into the ground. If he just gone 1 for 1 for 5 yards like uh, Davis Mills in the like first Davis half, Mills his rating would have been in the ball. 80s. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Come on. Step it up, Case. All right, John, we could sit here for hours and do stock downs on this game. I'm glad we're not. It's Christmas time. I got to get back into a good mood. Merry Christmas, Sean. Merry Christmas to you and Amy and your sons and your dad. And uh, we'll be back on what, Thursday? Thursday, we'll be back on. I'm going to take a few days off. Merry Christmas to you and Carol as well, John. What do you got planned? Do you guys just, uh, you got, you, no, you we do everything around? here. And I'm going to write about the playoff race on Tuesday, take off Monday, and uh, get back into it on Tuesday. Okay, what do you eat? What's on the table for you guys? After having turkey on Thanksgiving, we have ham and everything else we had on Thanksgiving, just no turkey. So you just swap out the turkey for the ham? we we'll swap those two, yep. And you're going to watch a lot of football? I can't wait to watch a lot of football, especially that Sunday night game that ought to be a Super Bowl preview between the Ravens and the Niners. Yeah, Monday night, John. It's Monday Monday night game. It's Monday tomorrow's night, Monday. yeah. Tomorrow's night. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, because Sunday night is happening right now, and it's the Patriots and the Broncos. Oh, boy, I can't wait to get to that one. That's a preview of hell. When you get to hell, <laughs> there is the Broncos and the Patriots being played on a loop. They make you watch a Bill O'Brien coached offense on a loop in hell. For the and how much do you think years. we're going to have to hear about Bill Belichick and his job situation? A lot, a lot. Oh. What else is there to talk about with the New England Patriots? Nada. <laughs> nothing, nothing. All right, John. Um, so you got some stuff. So you have the playoff picture going up there. I imagine is there a report card on today's? Got game? a report card now. Got a column up about the game and how bad it was for the Texans. But 
they're in the same situation, tied for first place. They are. And, uh, I'll be looking ahead Tuesday at the, what's left for uh, all three teams. Good deal. All right, John, appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Sean. And, uh, same to you. Enjoy it, as always. Yes, big Merry Christmas to our producer, James Jackson. James is wearing a Santa hat. Too. J- James, let the people take a good look at your – James is happy because he's Santa a Bucks hat. fan, and Texas yeah. fan are happy because the Bucks beat the Jaguars. Yes. Yeah, no, James yeah. – we, James, we are all we are all one we are all one Buccaneer uh, fan nation today. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. We like to spread the Christmas cheer over there in, in Tampa, so we will take down a division rival for you guys. Merry that Christmas. was nice of you. That was nice of you to do. James, I like your what does that D stand for? Villanova, man. Come on, John. Oh, Villanova, go Cats. Thought it might have been victory for the Buccaneers. It will. It will tomorrow. Because tomorrow will not only be Christmas, but a victory Monday. When does that ever happen on Christmas? That's yeah, good stuff, James. Merry Christmas to you. We appreciate all the work you do as well Merry during the Christmas, year, my friend. It's always a pleasure. Merry Christmas. Good stuff. Good stuff. James is the one who gets the podcast out to you. John and I just sit here and blab. James does all the heavy lifting. Um, so, um, so big thanks to uh, to you, James, for all of that. Big thanks to all of you for hitting the subscribe button. Boink the subscribe button and uh, clicking that and making sure that you get this podcast automatically wherever it is that you get your podcast should be a fun final couple weeks of the season you got to be listening because we'll be all over this playoff race here on the utopia football podcast so for james and john i'm sean we're out of time merry christmas to all of you ho, thank ho, you for ho. listening oh yeah oh ho, ho. yeah merry john, christmas john, to lou holtz too merry christmas to lou holtz hey listen <laughs> christmas day is about the lady on the dome she's the mother of god it's unbelievable. You gotta light the Christmas tree, wash out the bad taste of thirty-six to twenty-two out of yeah. our mouths. Yeah, and sure. God bless. And hopefully, uh, the lady on the dome brings the victory for the Texans next <laughs> week. And love and trust and commitment and a belief. And may may your Christmas stocking be full of stock ups, not stock down. All right, gentlemen, we are done. We're out of time. We will see all of you Thursday this week for the next episode. HOU mailbag at gmail.com. Send us some email questions. We'll hit a we'll hit some mailbag questions on the Thursday episode as we preview huge game coming up against the Titans. Merry Christmas to all. To all a good night.